0: you have a young adult who wants to be in the media world? Do they like producing videos or telling stories? I'm very excited about our guest today, Karen Cornick, a graduate of the University of California in Los Angeles, who is an Emmy award-winning producer who has been creating social impact projects and films for broadcast, nonprofit organizations, and corporations over the past 25 years, including projects for CNN, Discovery Channel, PBS, the Kaufman Foundation, Hewlett-Packard, Microsoft, and Common Sense Media. Several of her projects include a video series for PBS on youth entrepreneurship, Screen Agers, a film about growing up in the digital age, and now Angst, a documentary on anxiety to help raise awareness about anxiety and lowering the stigma of talking about mental health. I was honored to get to know her during my initiative to bring angst to san antonio which has now been shown to over 10 different schools community organizations and churches with more on the books to be scheduled karen's passion for angst a film that featured michael phelps was inspired in part by her own journey searching for help with her teenage son's anxiety disorder and learning how much hope and help there is for treating mental health challenges her passion for educating individuals has gained her global recognition for change, help, and hope. You can learn more at www.anksmovie.com. Welcome, Karen. So I am really, really thrilled um, that Karen Gornick is able to join us today. Um, it was a last-minute invite, and she immediately said yes. I get—I contacted her on Friday, and she said yes, and we're taping on a Monday. So that is. Um, beyond gracious i so appreciate it and as i said in the intro i had the incredible honor of getting to know karen and and lots of different people from IndieFlix when we brought Anks to san antonio and um, i am so excited that i have um, an executive producer for my clients to learn from because sometimes that can be hard to find individuals in in the media field in the creative field who are open to sharing their story. So thank you, Karen, so much.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Dana. You know that I just absolutely uh, believe in, in what it is that Reader Consulting provides. And I just personally and professionally, you know, my own family has really leveraged what you are what you do and found it really helpful. So I'm excited to have a chance to share with others. It's because when I got started in my career, so many people helped me out.
0: That's wonderful. And it's always an honor. You know, I think the best gift is when you work with one person and then they refer somebody or they come back with another one. And I mean, that's just the, the blessing that I have of getting to know many family members and friends. So you, I mean, it's obvious your support is enormous for me. So tell me about your background, how you got to doing what you're doing, um, your journey, all that good stuff.
1: Sure, okay, so I grew up in Los Angeles um, and my father was an underwater cinematographer for um in the film business. He actually was one of the very first underwater cinematographers out there. He worked with Jacques Cousteau and um invented some underwater camera housings and so I grew up going on set to these different films that he was working on, things like a Black stallion or you know a lot of uh Aaron Spelling films and I mean Aaron Spelling TV shows like Heart to Heart um, and that kind of thing. So I grew up around the uh, the movie industry. But what I really was drawn towards was more the stories of the mm. people that were the real stories that were happening. You know, he was doing all the make-believe stuff, the movies. Um, and I was really caring about the behind-the-scenes and the backstories. So I would, well, my dad was filming. Was, I'd hang out with a crew and hear about, like, you know, where did this person come from? or So I just was really more interested in the nonfiction um, on the documentary mm-hmm. side of things. And um, so I ended up going to UCLA uh, for college. And I decided that I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I thought I might want to do media law or, you know, mm. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. But I ended up in communications, which was really interesting. I graduated in 1990, right when the Internet was starting to boom. So my very last communications class was actually about the internet. <laughs> like, wow. what is this thing? Right. But it was really interesting because it changed the course of how content is delivered. And I could have never foreseen what the industry, how the industry would change and how many more opportunities there would be for content and stories when I graduated. So mm-hmm. it's, you guys, that's one thing i always share with, with young people now is, keep your mind open because technology may change and you may get to adapt and it can be such a huge, uh, opportunity. So I graduated from UCLA, but, um, one of the most important things that I ever did when I think back and what really got me on my journey in my career was my internship. Mm -hmm. I interned for this little, what I thought at the time was a little company called CNN. Um, it was before the Gulf war in the 1990s. Everybody called it the chicken noodle network. (laughs) What CNN stood for back then. That's funny. Um, But I worked in the entertainment department. So working on a show called Showbiz Today, um, doing all kinds of, you know, different interviews with celebrities and things like that. And then the Gulf War broke um, and entertainment was put on hiatus and I was moved over to the newsroom. And I started working um, as an intern in news and that started my career. Like I just... I, I was an intern, then I got a job on a studio camera, then I was doing the teleprompter, then I was on the assignment desk, and then me, then I became a producer. So CNN really launched that, that internship, making those connections, and then seeing then what my work ethic was, and then being able to get right. hired there really spurred my career. Mm-hmm. Um, was it a paid internship? No, not at first. Um, the I think I worked for a good four months non-paid, but I, I had to get the credits for school Mm -hmm. for UCLA. Um, so I am so grateful to that experience Mm -hmm. at, at UCLA. So then after, um, after I was there at CNN for so many years, I ended up going to CNN in Atlanta and then CNN in London. I ended up doing an international, um, kind of job slash that at that point I was getting paid internship and that's when the East German government resigned and it was incredible to be there when that happened. So getting a news background really helped me um, learn to ask a lot of questions.
0: Right. I can see that.
1: And, yeah. And, and to really um, do investigative kind of reporting and doing all those logistics and, and gathering Nuggets of pieces of information that are going to be put together for a news story, but I I found that I wanted to go more in, deeply into a lot of these stories. You know, a news story is only two or three minutes, mm-hmm. um, so I thought, oh gosh, I really want to do something longer. So when I left CNN, I ended up going to work for an NBC affiliate in Seattle and started um, working for their marketing department doing longer form documentaries. Uh, my first one was about the uh, homeless teens in Seattle and how they were faring in school, in life, being homeless. Um, mm-hmm. And I just started picking topics that I was super, super interested in from my own background. Um, I was, you know, to be honest, I had a really hard background. And I was sometimes having to live on the street myself as a child and, um, with my brother. And so that's, that topic was really important to me. And so I, f- I feel like that's something I really want to share with people that if you find something that you really matters to you, that you will work night and day because yeah. it matters to you, that is a key. I think mm. you're going to do your best work and you're going to be engaged. Mm. <laughs> Um, and then I ended up working as well for corporations doing storytelling. So Microsoft, Hewlett Packard, a lot of work actually in Texas um, <laughs> with Hewlett Packard and doing, you know, again, that storytelling, you know, talking about what these different corporate companies are doing um, and getting that out to be a marketing tool. Uh, and then I, I started my own business working on um, I called it three, three chicks media was the name of the production company. It was doing television for kids. Um, and, uh, then I started working on impact films and that's what I've been working on ever since. So I've been in the field for about 25, 30 years. And now that's what I focus on more are, um, impact films that end up being shown in communities and then other films that I'm working on, uh, end up on television, like discovery and the learning channel and that kind of thing.
0: Wow. That's fascinating. It. And so, you know, a lot of people say, okay, what should I major in? Like, how do I get there? What, what would you recommend?
1: Yes. So I would recommend that, you know, when you're in journalism, honestly, you don't have to major in journalism to to be in journalism. <laughs> That's um, a great think, point. Um, you know, you can be an expert in I mean, let's say that you even might be an expert in in psychology or sociology or maybe you just, you know, you can be, uh, you know, they always have experts on television as well Mm -hmm. on all these different fields. Maybe it's medical, Sanjay Gupta on Mm -hmm. um, CNN. But if you want to actually be a journalist where you're covering a lot of different topics, then I would really recommend communications, mass Mm -hmm. communications, because that's where you're going to learn how... Messages or how uh, stories are going to be um, delivered. What are all the different content deliverable uh, delivery options? Television, um, newspapers, cable channels. Now it's podcasts, right? Mm -hmm, right. Uh, You know, all kinds of streaming options. We've got um, now we have all these streamers that that are out there. Um, there's a conference that I love to go to every year called the Real Screen Conference, R E sure. A L, R-E-A-L, Real Screen. And for anybody interested in doing non fiction programming uh, content, I would recommend you can go on their website and get their new, their, get their, um, I actually wish I had one right here that I could show you, but um, get their magazine and learn about what are the different stories that are out there. And, and what are the different content delivery systems that exist? It's a great way to stay up in, in the industry. Mm-hmm.
0: That's wonderful. Cause um, I, I, have, I haven't have asked and it's on my list to ask, but we never normally get there. But you know, what about journals or conferences are important and, and your field it's pretty competitive. Yes. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit about that.
1: It is competitive. You know, it's interesting. Sure. You know, Everybody thinks of Hollywood and the entertainment industry being really competitive. And it is. However, I will say, if you have patience and you have passion, mm. patience and passion are going to get you a long way. I learned that early on because of the projects that I like to work on, social impact projects, You know, you're studying the homeless in Seattle, right? Or you're studying, um, there was one show I did on a really medical, um, a genetic disorder called Rett syndrome. We ended up having Julia Roberts narrate that. Um, And that ended up on Discovery Health. And it's, you know, it's sometimes hard to find outlets, they're not as popular, to carry these social impact films or these documentaries. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're there. And you've just got to keep keep looking for them and not give up on what you care about and mm-hmm. finding conferences like real screen, where you can go and pitch your idea or, you know, finding, um, you know, making going to any kind of conference or reading any kind of, uh, periodical where you might be able to find contacts and reach out to those contacts and say, wow, I know you've worked on this thing, but I really want you to hear about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. right. um, It's really valuable. So it's competitive, but I think it's actually opening up. There's are so many more streaming uh, media delivery systems. There's so many more, you know, even let's say you're working for a corporation. Don't let the fact that this field is competitive in any way sway you if you're passionate about this, because there are ways to get your ideas out there. So uh, one
0: thing I always talk about with students in fields that are competitive, maybe aren't growing, and you're growing, um, just not at, a rate that's higher than a lot of other fields. So that's when where you go to school matters. Mm -hmm. So do you have some recommendations of schools that are known for um, their programs that you would recommend or put on people's radar?
1: I would say without a doubt that when you're thinking about a school, if you want to go in this field, think about going to school in an area where you might want to work. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where you're going to get to go on the assignments and get the internships that are then going to give you the context. So that's why I'd recommend, honestly, Los Angeles, New York, you Mm -hmm. know, some of these larger, uh, you know, if if you're wanting to go, I mean, think about it more, where can you go get an internship Mm. at a company that exists in that, in that area? Um, And, you know, if you let's say it's even in Houston, Mm -hmm. where you could get an internship in one of the television stations nearby. Or the PBS station, or um, you know, or but but a lot of the content um, these days, actually, you know, even in Tennessee, there's some really. If you love, you know, working in country music or country Mm -hmm. topics or or documentaries, going someplace where you know that you can get an intern, think internship,
0: right? And a good way to determine that for our listeners is to go on Indeed and just say producer Um, and it will give you a list. In fact, right now, there are 25,000 jobs that are needing to be filled throughout the United States. Wow! And so then you can see where are they. And California has got the highest about 3,000 every year that need to be filled. And then it's New York with about 2,500. And then funny enough, Texas and Florida are tied. Wow. So that, and it, then you can say, okay, if I know I need to stay in Texas, where is it? And funny enough, Houston has it.
1: That's their the not highest. Not I know. I actually think that, you know, I'm so glad you brought this up that, yes, a lot of people would think, and, and I know I mentioned that, you know, Los Angeles and New York are highly concentrated for that. But I would encourage people to think out of the box. Because mm-hmm. let's say that you get an internship at a, at a company like a bank. They have a video production department. Who's producing their um, their customer success stories, their marketing videos? Mm-hmm. What a great place to actually get hands-on experience behind the camera. If you want to be a director or a producer, you know. So I just I recommend that there are so many different kinds of video production jobs to get your internship. At that no matter where you live, you can find a place. Right. Um, yeah,
0: that's so true. Funny when I worked at um, UT Health San Antonio in the biomedical engineering department. I helped them put together their first video. They had never done one before. And I was like, You're not telling the stories of these scientists. So I was an executive producer.
1: <laughs> well, I have to, I've been, I'll tell you, Dana, since the very first time I met you, I'm like, You would make an incredible producer.
0: <laughs> I do love hearing stories. And it's why I'm loving doing these podcasts. And it's why I love meeting people because you know, everyone, I mean, I've just learned a couple of things I didn't know about you already just in our little conversation. <laughs> so yeah. It's, but, so tell me what is a day in the life look like? And I know every day is different, but let's talk about when um, you're actually filming and preparing and, and you're in your in work mode.
1: Yes. Okay. Well, I will say this. I love getting up every day. I love my job. I absolutely love it because I get to meet people from all over the world and I get to learn about subjects that I do not know about. Mm. It's really great. In fact, I love having the attitude when I meet these people that I don't know anything because Mm. then I learn so much more. Uh Uh, So every day is different, but um let's say that it my day could consist let's say it's a filming day. I've prepared um you know where we're gonna shoot and got all of the licenses um and all the permits to shoot and film wherever we're going to be. Um I've hired the crews, I've hired which means I've hired the the lighting people, the, the sound people and the people with the cameras. Um and I've been talking to the the actual subjects the people we're going to interview and made sure that it's okay to film in their house or, or their workplace, wherever it's going to be. And that day would consist of us going over there and bringing those teams together and sitting down and doing that interview or gathering what we call B roll, which is, um, you know, the person, the subject might be cooking in their living room. And so that we can, when we're talking about something that I interviewed them about, we actually have some video to show what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, part of my day. Another part of my day is then sitting down with an editor, taking that footage and putting it together to create the story. Um, or sometimes it may be the research. The day may be consist of, of researching. What are the questions that I'm going to ask? Um, you know, who, where do they live? What would be the right uh, type of interviews that will fill a story out? Um, and when you're a documentary producer, that is constantly evolving. So I really love my my day-to-day really changes, whether mm-hmm. it's I'm at home doing research or I'm in the field actually doing the interviews.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you feel is the most challenging part of your career?
1: I would say, you know, the most challenging part is finding the time to cover all the stories that I want to cover. <laughs> I can see that. Um there are so many stories to be heard, and I get really um emotionally involved in in the, each one that I do, and I want so much to help and I think um I am inspired by everybody that I talk to and I want to learn more about them, and I want to help whatever cause it is mm. do that. um so sometimes I feel like I just don't have enough time in the day or um that's where I, that's I think the most challenging is is how do i um how do i really help bring impact when people have been uh, uh, kind enough and trusted me enough to bring me into their life mm. i really want to show that i care and be authentic and go help make the impact so it's mm-hmm. i i guess that's the part that i find the most challenging sometimes right well and part of being an
0: executive producer um there's a theory with interest and you talked about you know find your passion and You know, you'll you'll find your purpose, um, or you know, patience and passion. Um, What a lot of people don't realize is, I have people who come to me and they very artistic, very creative. Um, They need to self express, and they think that executive producing is actually an artistic from the Holland's code, but their number one code is actually enterprising, and that's business, right? So, if you create something but you're not making money off of it, then you're not sustainable.
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, this is one reason that I think your program actually is so valuable because I think you're really great at helping people um, with, with the program that you put out helps people really get clear about what they're really good at mm-hmm. um, and what they are naturally good at. And so that might help them partner with people that have, that have those skills that maybe they aren't, don't come so naturally to them um, and find those complementary people to help team with, uh, or it might help them figure out what areas they might need to strengthen if they yes. want to do this, no right. matter what you do, business is going to help. Um, mm-hmm. cause you're right. I mean, a lot, you can be really creative and anybody can be a document. Anybody can document their story and, and mm-hmm. be a documentarian, but making it a life choice where mm-hmm. it's a career and something that's uh, financially going to help you be sustainable. That takes a little bit more challenge. And yes, it does take um having some business knowledge. Um, you can never go wrong by having business mm-hmm. knowledge, you know. Right, sure. Right. Because monetizing your work can be some, you know, that can be a challenge, but yes. it's very possible. Right. Um, and they're like for instance, the model with angst that's out there right now, that documentary is um monetized by licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, licensing to schools and corporations. But another way that that could be, um, that documentary could be monetized is to actually license it to a broadcaster like Discovery. They have to pay a license fee, fee to distribute it for two years. Typically those are two year licenses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could find somebody else to second window it is what we call it. Um, so there are different ways to monetize. And another way to find out how to do that is, again, is by reading those industry magazines um, mm-hmm. and finding out how people are, are actually selling their work, but yet mm-hmm. maintaining the rights.
0: Yeah. That's it's, uh, I remember when we were, I had individuals when we brought angst so that would say, well, why do schools have to pay for it? Why, you know, why is there a fee? And, I joking, well, not jokingly, seriously said when you have an expertise and a professionalism who have a craft that is providing something that is impactful, never, ever apologize for needing to make money. Otherwise it doesn't exist. So, you know, sometimes I, I, you know, it's always the nonprofit, you know, versus profit conversation. Um, And funny enough, nonprofits actually are enterprising. They're not social, which is helping people. They are a business first. They have to make money. They have to influence people to give. They have to tug at the heartstrings. But it's second is social of helping people. And so people don't realize that. And So I just think that, um, I mean, what you guys are doing and and the quality of content um, is just mean it's phenomenal and it is I always say it's changing lives and it it truly is and seeing your passion through what you do it's so obvious every person who's you know blessed to get to meet you and and watch you in action knows that you know you're doing it because that's what is so important to you
1: thank you Dana thank you you know you, you brought up a really important point too about school's and, uh, you know, one model is that the kid the schools don't have to pay for it if they can find somebody to underwrite it. That's mm-hmm. another thing too, right? That's another monetizing way to do this, which mm-hmm. is finding a corporation who might want to then fund, uh, pay for the license and give it to the school free. So that's another creative way. Um, but yeah, when you're thinking about you're making a film, it's always good to remember that you're going to have to distribute it. And that means hiring people to make the phone calls, mm. to make copies of the of the film and send it out, um, you know, you're going to have to have a website. And so these things, all these things cost money. So it's good to remember that Mm -hmm. the cost of the production itself is one thing, but then you've got to also think of the money that it's going to take to distribute it.
0: Right. And do you find now that more and more young adults are wanting to go into this field because they it's, I'm going to say easy, not in that you can on your phone film something, right? the, the technology has evolved to the point that, you know, it's like taking pictures. Everyone's now a photographer. Do you find that?
1: Yes. I mean, I, I love it because I feel like there are so many young creative voices out there. Um, and, and a lot of, you know, now that, especially now that schools are online going through what we're going right. on with the COVID situation right now in this pandemic. Um, I've seen even my own kids learning how to edit um, presentations and put them together with, with music and, and voiceover. And I think it's incredible skill to have. So I think, I think we're going to see a, an, you know, an influx of, um, creative producers. Mm-hmm. And, but I also think that there's more areas, uh, there are more methods of delivering it. Um, right. content. so I wouldn't be surprised if we see younger people coming in and, and being able to, um, showcase their talents earlier on, and which is great, Especially if you're going to college and you can get more, you can get, uh, start building a portfolio of your work. Mm
0: -hmm, Right. Well, and it's one thing that I love about, you know, in Texas, we have endorsements. Mm -hmm. So they can have, you know, a um, a video background. There's opportunities in high school to create content and and begin to get their hands wet and their, you know, feet on a foundation that they're potentially going to love and go, okay, this is exactly what I want to do. So it's that, exciting.
1: That is great.
0: Yeah, it is really really good. Um, so w- let me ask you this: um, If you had to go and do your career over again, what career would you pick?
1: I would pick the same career. Honestly, I've thought about that a lot too. Like, wow, oh, you know, if I had more time, what would I would I want to go into a different field? But this really is the right fit for me. Mm-hmm. It really, it really is um, the right fit for me. And it's not, I wouldn't have known, even when I graduated from UCLA back in 1990, um, and the internet was just starting to, to grow, I would have not known or even could have imagined what I would have ended up doing. So I, it was really a matter of staying true with every step of the way, staying true to my passion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the delivery of it just changed over time. Right. Um, and, and I'm grateful for every step when I went into corp- corporate work for a while, I'm grateful for those moments because I learned a lot about, um, I learned a lot about business <laughs> and, uh, it's something I could then apply more to my documentaries and the back end. And, and then sometimes some of those people become my clients actually. So mm. that's another thing I learned as well. You know, when I, uh, always build trust with the people that are around you because you never know how they're going to show back up in your life. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: It's so true. Yeah. So true. In fact, in my last pot or um, a friend of ours, we, everyone seems to always talk about that, about the relationship piece. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's well, and you know, the, the, the road is long and in the interaction and the connections are, are what is so empowering and can determine your career path and getting yes, those opportunities.
1: It is, you know, you just made me think of something too about determining your career path. I think, and I think a lot of creative pro- people probably feel this too. The, the films that they make are really, there's a lot of pr- purpose in the pain. Um, mm. And, you know, when I think about the homeless film that I did, for instance, it was really trying to understand, you know, I, I grew up on my own, um, uh, the difficulties and the challenges that I had. And I worked some of those out by exploring how others had handled and are handling it. Um, same thing with angst, you know, it, that came out of that, that film came out of really trying to understand my son's, um, anxiety disorder mm-hmm. and, and then learning about my own anxiety mm-hmm. disorder in the process. Mm-hmm. So it really was a journey to understanding myself. And I think, um, a lot of people that go into this field that may be true for them too, that they've they've suffered some pain in their, in some ways, and they want to have impact um, on these, these uh, you know, whether they've been bullied. Right. Mm -hmm, right. That's how uh, the Indie flicks film upstanders kind of came to be. I just think Mm -hmm. that 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 really goes along with your, your passion is if if you really care about something, you're going to find a way to, to persevere.
0: I'm going to talk a little bit about salaries because, right, that's why we work. Um, and oftentimes students don't have an idea of like, okay, I always tell them, I want you to eat. <laughs> that's the goal, right? <laughs> if you're going to go to college and you're going to get potentially have student debt, <laughs> I want you to eat. So uh, the, really kind of the starting salaries are around 35000 which is not a lot. And that's pretty consistent no matter whether you're in California um, or you're in Texas, it's about yeah. the same, um, averages are probably in the like 80,000 range on average across the U S but with long progression, I mean, you can get over the hundred thousand mark.
1: Oh yes. Okay. So I can, I mean, I, when I started at CNN, granted, this was back in the 1990s, uh, $17,000 is what I made as an assignment desk editor. um, and then it, it went up from there. Now, I would say that, you know, it's going to vary whether you want to be a reporter and somebody on camera or somebody behind the scenes. And I always thought if you're on camera, you're going to make more money. And actually, that's not the case. I mean, no. I, um, you know, you can make, I would say, and this is consistent with my friends that are in this industry, too. But Now, I don't have to live in any particular city. I live in San Francisco, but I could live anywhere in the world right now and still do my job which is great. You're not tied to a particular city Mm. and, you know, making over a quarter million dollars. Like you can, Mm. that is possible with us.
0: That's a really good point. I have a lot of, typically they're females who are interested in being a reporter um, or a broadcast journalist. And funny enough, it's actually growing at a negative rate. Um, I know when I was in San Antonio 22 years ago, the same news people are still here. They don't really leave. Um, sometimes they do. They go on to other things. I have friends who who left the industry. Um, but being mindful of what those numbers look like, because it may say, okay, I don't necessarily want to be on camera, but I there's more possibility and more opportunity in the in the producing aspect. So yeah. again, just making those informed decisions, so you don't go down a path and go, oh my gosh, I can't get a job and I don't have enough money to sustain my life. Or, so yeah, yeah Something that
1: might be helpful. I guess you, you, I'm so glad you brought this up, Dana. There, so there's a couple things I would think about if you're thinking about going into this entertainment field. Uh, one thing to really think about is, do I want to do make-believe or do I want to uh, do something real? Like, <laughs> do I want to do um, real life stories? Nonfiction programming is what they call it. Do you want to do fiction or nonfiction? That's a really good distinction. Now you mm. can go down one path and decide you want to jump to the other, it's not that hard to jump right but definitely if you're gonna want get get legs in one area kind of think about what you're more passionate about there mm-hmm. that, that was what i would do first and then if you um want to you know i would also share that if you go there's no harm in doing learning the production first even if you want to be a reporter because these days more and more people are especially in the non-fiction genre uh vein of entertainment television more and more Especially nowadays, they're host-driven shows where you think about... Think of the Learning Channel, for instance. Almost everybody on that is not a celebrity. They're not Mm -hmm. a well-known reporter. It's real people doing real things in life. And that is, right now, uh, what's pretty popular. Mm -hmm. So you can find your voice. You can be in front of the camera if you want, if you can come up with the compelling stories that somebody's going to want to purchase. Yeah, that's great. Great, great statement. Um, So...
0: A little story that I'll share. I haven't actually even announced this, but I thought, well, I would share it today since you agreed to um, come on. Obviously, a little over a year ago, um, you know, we brought angst to San Antonio. Um, Unfortunately, Karen had a family situation and couldn't come at the last minute, which I hated because we were working together for months and we ultimately did get to meet face-to-face a couple of times. But through that initiative and just talking about you know, doing things that you're passionate about for the right reasons. The one reason why I brought it was because so many of my clients suffer from anxiety through the intake process. And I felt like I wasn't hearing enough about it. I have a college child and I have a high school student. So I purchased the film in the hope of just having a few people show up at maybe a cafeteria at a school. That was as big as I dreamed. And brought together a lot of professional colleagues and organizations within San Antonio who said yes, they were also willing to donate their time. And Trinity University hosted the event for free, and uh, Bear County funded it. Um, pretty much the whole um, for security and shirts, and UHS actually did the shirts. It was amazing. It was crazy how many people in the community came together, and then through that, we made an introduction with the Molak family, David Molak. He passed away from cyberbullying. And I had told Karen, I said, Karen, you know, I really think you need to meet this family. Even though I had not met them, funny enough, I just knew of them. And again, finding that passion, um, and I thought, you know, I think you need to meet them. There could be something there. And sure enough, through that um, wonderful lunch that we had with them, they shared their story with Sheila, who's the CEO of IndieFlix. And now they're featured in the new documentary. You talked about it a minute ago, The Upstander, which I have seen and is, they did a phenomenal job on it. Um, And what's really cool about all of the interaction and meeting people and you just never know where things are going to take you, Um, you know, being authentic, we've had, I think there's probably close to 15 schools now that have shown it or community organizations throughout San Antonio. And we had people that drove in from Dallas to watch it. Um, So I actually won the national association of women business owner uh, award for um, really spearheading that initiative. And, you know, it's just kind of those crazy things you do in your life that you're, just doing it because you feel it needs to happen and the crazy, wonderful things that come from that. And so that's what I have seen from you, Karen, and, and in telling people's stories is that you do get to say, what is the pain point and how can I make a difference? And, you know, I think it's just has to be one of the most wonderful rewards in a life when you feel like you have an actual purpose. And that's always what I want for my clients. I want them to find that but it's a journey. I I say that all the time to, to think as a high school student, you're going to get out and you're going to, you know, be saving the world if that's what you want to do is not realistic and to have patience and grace with yourself. But if you do just continue to stay focused and, and, um, you know, listen to what seems right and feels right. It's amazing what kind of things can happen and you're doing that. So I just, I really am honored that I get to know you.
1: Oh my gosh. Thank you, Dana. Back at you. I mean, and congratulations on this well-deserved award. I mean, I, I uh, the ripple effect that you created just by that first screening uh, in the state of Texas, not just San Antonio, I mean, was has been huge. So I love you're an example of how one person can have such a huge impact.
0: Well, you know? it was definitely a group effort. We had a lot of people around that table, but... <laughs>
1: Of fun. I was so.
0: It was fun. It was,
1: that you made happen.
0: So, so as we kind of come to the end, I always ask people for three words of wisdom, or pieces of knowledge, or whatever you want to to say. And so, I would love to hear what you have to share.
1: Yes, it was actually hard to like <laughs> summarize into three. But um I would say the first one is to listen. I I know that sounds so simple, and you hear a lot of people say it. But the truth of the matter is. That as you get started, if you open your mind, ask the questions and listen, um, you're one showing interest in others and people love to talk about themselves, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can learn so much. And it also will help you think about what works for you. So in a way, it's a gift to you when Mm -hmm. you can listen to others because you are gaining that information that you're going to then use to help guide what you're most interested in. So listen, listen, listen. Asking questions, um, meeting as many people as you can, and just asking questions and listening. So those are the two things: listening, asking questions. Maybe I should reverse that: asking the questions and then listening. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think about it. And then the third thing is internships. Hmm. Um, I, I feel that it's such an incredible way, of, whether it's paid or unpaid, to get the real work experience and for you to not only have it on your resume um, or your LinkedIn profile, but for you to kind of feel into what feels right and what aspects you like. And it helps just give you a natural path to, to, to explore. Right. So a-
0: absolutely. And, you know, one thing I just want listeners to realize is that internships don't just have to happen in college. They can happen in high school. Yeah. And in some ways they're even more powerful in high school because you can go, Oh, I absolutely don't want to do that. <laughs> That is not for me, <laughs> which deselection is every bit as important of as selection.
1: I like but, that word. Deselection. That's good. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it's it's funny because people who sometimes have trouble, which is an aptitude making a decision, they how they start processing is they start taking off the things they don't want to do. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm not selecting the ones I'm interested in. I'm like, no, you do you. And that's we will get there the same way. We're just we're doing it the way it makes sense for you.
1: Exactly. So, that's yeah. so true.
0: Well, thank you again so much. Oh, I want you to talk about um the streaming at home oh. during covid time.
1: Yes. Well, so angst, you know, is typically shown like you did in community. You know, you have uh, you gather people together in person and have a panel discussion and connect people to resources in their community but with with everything that's going on with this pandemic right now obviously we can't gather in large groups so the very way that we've been doing this for a long time it's it, we you know it's going to be difficult to do but actually we are offering something right now where schools and corporations can show the film online Um, stream it into their own homes um, to watch with their families. And it's really been incredible because then people can have more discussion. Um, So corporations like Microsoft, uh, they're doing that this week. Um, And with Mental Health Awareness Week Mm -hmm. coming up too for the month of May. um, IndieFlix is putting out the film Angst um, and their other films, the trilogy, out and making it available online. Um, So it's really easy to just go to angstmovie.com if you want to learn more about how to bring this to your school and especially with students being home right now, um, this could be streamed right, right to them. And um, I actually am hopeful that it will reach more people and have more Mm -hmm. impact and connect people to resources either at their school or at their workplace.
0: Right. Well, and as a parent, you have a captive audience. They can't go anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So it's actually brilliant because I am finding, you know, I mean, through this whole crazy time is that the power of conversations are much deeper I think it's a perfect a perfect time I did see Michael Phelps today on the today show and he was talking about mental health and the Olympics being canceled he was part of angst um and just you know what a troubling time this is so I think it's never more relevant and I
1: think that uh one thing I didn't mention is that we've also we have a lot of uh, tips that we're including with the film on how to deal with the increased anxiety that has you know an- we all have anxiety as humans, but right now in this time our anxiety and stress is increasing and. Um, and we're home with our families every day and trying to work with everybody in the same household. How are we going to, to be productive? And so we have a lot of tips on how to deal with the COVID stress tied to COVID mm. specifically situations. Um, so hopefully people will find that helpful.
0: That's great. Great. Well, and on another note, it's an awesome time to engage in career exploration. So obviously everybody tests from home, which is great because I have clients all over the US and um, it can be a beneficial um, way to use this extra gift that we have in you know, figuring out making some informed decisions. So um, also I want just to know that everybody can go to what's my career and you can sign up for the e-blast where you'll get access to the podcast before they're posted because they come out um, twice a month, so they're we have we're quite a bit delayed, um, but they're all on my website, so that's just an option there. So,
1: you know, I want to share something about that, Dana. That you know, I want that when I was thinking about my own family and the stress that we're dealing with right now, I I definitely thought of you, and that's why I'm signing my daughter up to do your program right now, because one of the, when I was interviewing doctors and therapists, they're saying one of the best things you can do is think about the future. Mm. What is it that you want long-term? What is it that, um, you know, once we get out of this pandemic, what do you want with your life? And so um, I'm really excited for her to be working with you to think about her career interests. What it's now, there could not be a better time than I think right now when we would need it for our mental health and to think about the future for ourselves and what we really want.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, you know, oftentimes, you know, part of the homework is they have to do informational interviews with their top four picks. And that can always be a challenge because they're too busy. And now they have plenty (laughs) of time. (laughs) And when they're calling me saying, hey, I want to talk, you know, I have some more questions or you can get back together. The first thing I say is, did you do your homework? Well, no. I'm like, okay, (laughs) go back. (laughs) and go through your homework. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, thank you again, Karen. I really appreciate you on just turning on a dime and saying yes to me. And I know it's going to be really helpful for people who are considering this career field. So um, I appreci- appreciate the gift of your time.
1: Well, thank you so much, Dana, for asking me. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have been um, with you today on this podcast. And thanks for all that you do.
0: Thank you. All right. We will talk with you soon and hope everyone has um, a blessed week and that you're all, no matter how much you're stuck in the house, somehow finding a way to proceed with confidence. (laughs) It's kind of a (laughs) challenging way to spin that in there, but I truly do wish everyone well. So thanks again. We'll talk with everyone
1: soon. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to What's Your Career Story? If you'd like early access to episodes, you can join us at whatyourcareerstory.com. If you'd like to learn about career paths, sign up for our monthly newsletter which is also available at whatyourcareerstory.com.